Welcome to the Liverpool FA podcast. Our aim is to provide regular insight from a variety of experts to help you in your own football journey. We'll do it through interviews, roundtable discussions and by linking to other resources to help support you. For more information about each episode, just tap the album art, which will provide you with more about our guests and links to further content. No intro quotes. Tonight we're stripping it back and going back to basics and it's a, a bit of a different one. So this evening, my colleague and previous podcast guest, Keith Webb, recorded a webinar for FA Education down here at St George's Park and our esteemed colleague, Jake Kemp, about a minute before we started the webinar, said, why don't you record this and put it out on the Liverpool FA podcast? So thanks for the idea, Jake, and we did. And this is the audio. So so just for context, the webinar was a FA licensed coaches, level one, two, three. Uh, it was an hour's CPD, and the content was based around interactions with players and more specifically, uh, how to to challenge players. So Keith and I decided to riff on the subject for about an hour um, with some audience questions thrown in the mix. So let us know what you think of this one and hope you enjoy this conversation with Keith Webb and myself. All ready to go. Wow. Okay. Welcome. Good evening. Happy Monday. Happy Monday. We had a debate, didn't we, today about is it too late? Is it, what's the cut-off point for Happy New Year? So we'll just say Happy Monday. Thank you all for, for joining us and taking your time out of your busy schedules and your volunteer lives to come and join us on this webinar. Let me just turn this on airplane mode, otherwise we will inevitably get some people ringing in. Um, welcome aboard, Keith Webb. Nice to be here. Good. And the, the last time we uh, sat in this room... We had a really in good in-depth conversation on the podcast, didn't we? Absolutely, but and that ended about after three hours. It did, didn't it? We intended to do an hour, and it, we, we went on till 10 o'clock. The good news is we're not going to keep you here till 10 o'clock tonight. We're scheduled six till seven. We've got our intrepid producer, Jake Camp, who's cracking the whip and making sure that we stay on task tonight. So good evening, Jake. Thanks for looking after us. Um, and we are here in the, the Graham Taylor room. So welcome to St. George's Park from wherever you're tuning in. Um, and we were, we were just having a bit of a laugh off air, actually, weren't we, about um, some of the, uh, the, the funny situations that people call in from. So motorways, dogs barking in the garden. And uh, you don't know this, but um, I've, there's two things that I want to mention about webinars. One is... Did you know that I delivered the first ever FA education webinar? Right. Way back in the day, it was about five or six years ago, from Roy, Hodge, Roy, Hodgson, Roy Hodgson's office. And it was on the same night, I think England were playing a friendly at Wembley. So we obviously, we didn't have too many tuning in. But those that did tune in were slayed by PowerPoint. And I tried to make it all singing and dancing. We got through it. It was an experience. The last time I did a webinar... Um, I got caught with one of those uh, inappropriate moments where I thought I was off air and um, we were at a colleague's house who had recently had his boiler fixed and had turned the heating on full blast and obviously once we started the webinar we couldn't turn the heating down and uh, yeah I, I, I might have said one or two choice words when I thought I was off air and funnily enough that was about three years ago and I haven't been asked to do one of these since oh. so I'm, I'm thinking I might be forgiven now, Keith. I hope so. So um, thanks for tuning in again. Uh, my name's Jack Walton. I look after uh, grassroots coach development uh, for the FA in the Northwest. And my colleague here, Keith Webb, uh, does the same job as me in the uh, East region. Based in Norfolk, so if people have trouble understanding my local dialect, I do apologise at the start. <laughs> and uh, I think they've paired us together because I speak without thinking, or speak before thinking, and you think bef think before speaking. That would be right, wouldn't it? Right. Yeah. 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 Um, <laughs> so uh, welcome, Keith. And I've heard that if you do a good job tonight, they're going to rename it the Keith Webinar. That will be nice. Yeah. Um, if there's any noise in the background, guys, uh, it's quite a lively corridor on the education wing here at St George's Park. Uh, there's an A license going on that is thriving down the corridor there. So apologies for for any background noise. Um, the plan for tonight is 
we're going to go slightly off piece. So we're going to, the theme is around um, interacting with players and in more specifically around challenging players. So we've challenged ourselves tonight to um, try and turn this into a bit of a professional discussion that you will hopefully find interesting. Uh, we're going to have no PowerPoint. We're going to have um, no slides. But what we will say is if you want some resources, uh, there is absolutely loads on this, uh, on this topic. If you're not uh, aware the recently our boot room magazine has gone completely digital uh, every every article that has uh, ever been written in about the 30 odd issues yeah, since absolutely. it's gone out have all been indexed they're really easy to to search and find things at so if um, if you just pop in uh, the fa boot room i think it's the fa.com slash learning is is the site but i'm sure you'll be intelligent enough to find it um and then other resources uh hive learning um again if you've not signed up for that there's so much really useful content on there that i think we couldn't even begin to do justice Absolutely. to tonight yeah so um what we will do is we will tr we have looked at all the questions that you've sent in which um are brilliant and we really thank you for them uh we will try and have a conversation that gets through as many of those as uh, as we possibly can um, and Jake is going to keep us on track if anything comes up in the chat box or there's anything that you think is um, really relevant and urgent just throw it in there Jake will jump in and um, and we'll we'll try and go from there absolutely how's that yeah, sound sounds good okay like right let's kick off um, so this morning Keith well we've been here all day as part of a um, leadership team meeting in the grassroots unit here at the FA and this morning we were tasked with bringing some homework to to do a little connection activity and that homework was to bring with us a book an article or a journal that we'd read recently that's had an impact and um i brought mine you brought yours i don't know what yours is and you don't know what mine is so let's kick off what did you bring well for my sins i've decided as part of my cpd to do a master's in sports coaching last year i was lucky enough to be able to participate in a PG Sir Ed on sports coaching and have decided to take that a little bit further. So rather boringly I've bought a book on research methods uh, to help with my research dissertation that I'm going to be doing uh, over the next sort of three or four months based around um, coach education and the um, how that fits in with the grassroots coaching. Ooh. And there we go. How's that? Can you still hear us, Jake? Let me just mute everyone. Yeah. Uh, and then let me... Are we back on? Yeah. Yeah. So, looking at for my own personal development, even at the age I'm at now, uh, I still feel it's important that I stay um, current with the work that I'm doing uh, in coach education. So decided to take this master's on and it's been a real eye opener. So the book that I'm reading at the moment has given me an insight into the sort of um, detail and the um, ways of conducting research in an ethical and um, responsible way to hopefully then have an impact on the way that I deliver my courses and hopefully have an impact on the way that the um, coach education from a national level um, is conducted in the future. So what sort of avenue are you thinking about going down in your project, in your research? One of the things that really interests me, um, a lot of papers that I've read has been around coach behaviours. Based on elite coaching how about now coaches yeah. that are in the elite end of the game okay and I think <coughs> what hasn't been done has been looking at the challenges that the um, grassroots coach faces in the recreational game the development game and one of the things I want to sort of um, look at is do the course delivery and the course structure meet the needs of the candidate coming on the course so they can go away and have an impact on becoming and becoming better at what they do or do they come on for another variety of reasons mm. so that's 
part one, or the area that I want to look into. Good. Good. What about yourself? I brought in. Uh, it, I couldn't bring the book because I read it on the Kindle. I'm one of them that's gone digital. Right. Yeah. Sorry for my sins. Uh, but I brought in the a, a Guardian review of a book that took me nearly nine months to read last year. <laughs> it's got absolutely nothing to do with football, but it, I think. Uh, there's some links that I can definitely make okay. uh, the book was by a Harvard professor of psychology called Steven Pinker and the, probably the most significant thing about it is the fact that I made it through the book because okay. uh, it must be a thousand plus pages and it, it, it gets quite heavy and yeah. quite deep in data and literature and, and, and it's having had some conversations with some professors recently what it is confirmed with me is that to get to that level is they they think and they speak and they communicate with extreme clarity yeah and i think we'll get onto that throughout this discussion yeah. it really strikes me that there isn't a wasted word whether it be on text or in or, or verbally mm. uh and that's something that i i really admire and i really ad aspire to be um but he, what the book the book was called the better better angels of our nature, and it was a, uh, a history of human violence, okay, right? Yeah. <laughs> Which sounds quite morbid, but he, um, the author Pinkip he presented quite a bright future, and uh, presented that on pretty much every single measure that you can come up with, um, we are living in the safest times in human history, and uh, having just watched Luther last night. I won't do any spoilers, don't worry. You could be forgiven for thinking that London was the most violent, dangerous yeah. city on the planet. Yeah. Um, and I think that uh, the media and the um, and television and the things that we're exposed to, uh, they have such an impact on culture and the way that we think. Um, so much so that the, the, the next thing that I referenced in our, our little activity this morning was um, was actually a guy, I think, is another professor of psychology at New York called Jonathan Haidt, um, H-A-I-D-T. He's worth looking up as well. Uh, and he's just done a uh, an episode on Joe Rogan's um, YouTube and, and podcast. And he was talking about uh, how this media sensation has created a culture where we are we're, we're fearful for exposing the children to what we perceive as... As, as harm so yeah. he, he he talked about how he's got a nine-year-old daughter um, she has a phone it's not a smartphone so she can't install apps on it it only has three numbers no other numbers can be put in uh, mum dad and grandma let's say has a GPS on it and he was saying it, how he sends her out round the East Village go and get groceries so she goes out in the streets and you, know, you can almost hear people clamouring up you know a nine-year-old but he said like the children need gradually exposing to um, to situations that are you know uncomfortable yeah. and uh, and that the parallels that I would draw with coaching is uh, getting onto the topic tonight of challenges is how do we uh, start to expose our young developing players to environments that will challenge them and that are un slightly uncomfortable maybe to us and them um, in order to help them develop I think the uncomfortable part from the coach's perspective is that sometimes it's a new way of doing things. Um, I don't think I, I think you hit a really good point around the media. I don't think people realise just how much impact the media has within um, football and how it um, hypnotises people in the way that we observe the game mm. by virtue of the camera angle. When we watch the game itself, we end up watching the ball, um, and we end up listening to some really. There's some really good pundits out there, but there's also some average pundits mm. who just send out platitudes. Yeah, um, and that has an impact on when people attend courses and what they feel they need to say to players in a way that probably not understanding that may be those platitudes and those phrases that might be um, understood by adults don't necessarily transfer to good learning for young players. Yeah, yeah. well, going back, or reversing back a little bit there, one of the, th the things that I picked up from reading the book 
and and also listening to um, to the other professor was the the need more so than ever probably in this day and age for uh, people and coaches to have sharp critical thinking skills so because we are exposed to masses and masses of information and content um, I've uh, you know you could go on Twitter and you could go down numerous rabbit holes and and, and, and fill yourself up um, but unless you've got the ability to pick through the fog and um, and to pick out you know what's relevant and and discard what you feel isn't you could you could end up going around in circles absolutely it's a quagmire out there and you make the point that you know to be able to critique what you're seeing you need to have an understanding of the game Mm. but it's all right if you don't there are ways in which you can conduct a really good coaching session without having that knowledge but if you ask the right questions if you challenge people in the right way you haven't necessarily got to be the font of knowledge all right well let's get into that then because okay. I, this is i i'm why i'm glad you're sat opposite me because you've probably forgotten more about the game than I, i'll ever know um so i mean we could we could spend a while listing your your accolades but i think uh coached at a paralympics um coached at uh was it first division old first division or youth team level fa youth cup yeah yeah um yeah, no i don't i don't want to massage your no. ego here keith no. and i'm sure you don't want me to but uh you know your the, the levels that you've worked at in the game are, are far beyond what what i've worked at so when you're working with players um if you're starting to think about challenging and and designing challenges for players what's the thought process that you go through the thought process that i go through is basically what is it that i want to get out of the session so i normally work to a program of work now i know the england dna is promoting that a great deal at this moment in time on the courses but that was how i used to work and found great success at it during the time I was a youth team coach. So we would work maybe on a four to six week cycle. Uh, And I'm talking now of working daily, not just the odd night and a weekend match. We would would work on it daily. Um, And it would be trying to go over um, a topic but utilising different sessions, manipulate the session differently next day to try and bring the outcomes up. As I got more experienced and more um, attuned with the use of challenges, and I have to say that probably came at the latter end of um, my career within the professional game. What I tend to do is work um, with the group as a whole, so my challenge would be, whether it be in possession or out of possession, let's take um, an out of possession practice based around staying compact in midfield. Okay. So that would be what the group challenge was. And, and so how would, you, how would you get that across? How would you phrase it? It would be, right, first of all, I'd want to get them to understand and buy into, do we need to do this work? And the use of um, questioning and framing it in a way of guiding players to say, right, and you use obviously the match as the um, the um, fundamental thing that you can work on from what happened on. So it would be, right, what is it we didn't do well on Saturday? Okay, so it might be, how do you think we did in midfield? We thought well, there were gaps. So they would come back with a little bit and I would try and manipulate the question to, for them to come back. So I would then try and say, once we've got the top thing, is then to look at, right, now what is it I'm going to work on that will help everybody in the group? In the past, when I first started out in coaching, it would be, right, stop, stand still, and I would just work on the midfield. 
so there'd be a practice and I would work on the th three or four or however many I had. What I learned to do was utilise um, units and groups and individuals. So once I got the group buy-in, this is what we're going to do. Now, what as front players do we need to do to help the midfield stay compact? So you're backing up with a question? Yes. Okay. Pre-planned? Pre-planned. Yeah. And I think one of the things I've found on um, the courses is, and I understand the challenges that people within the grassroots game have in terms of coming in from work, they're then coming on quickly, getting changed. Right, now what am I going to do tonight? But I think if you work to a programme, it autumn, it tends to let you tend to then follow on, it sort of lead you into the questioning. Mm -hmm. So it would be based around right, what the forwards going to do, what are the midfield people going to do, and what are the defensive units going to do, and then highlight one or two individuals that might benefit a little in a little bit more detail by issuing personal challenges to them. So I tended to say, right, I'm not going to challenge every individual player. I'll affect mm. them by working them within the unit. Yeah. And then the one or two people that I wanted to impact more deeply around the challenges that I gave them on a more personal level, it would be easier for me as the coach then to go back and not forget who I've given the coaches to, uh, yeah. the challenges to. Because I think sometimes if we try and give out too much, we end up forgetting who we've given the challenge to. And I don't know if you've found that yeah. when you've done it. Um, and I, I, Yeah, I'll jump in here because I'm going to play bad cop for okay. a minute. Right. So we've almost come full circle, the pair of us. Yeah. Um, and I, I'm in a place in my coaching where I am seeing, once again, the value of instruction. Call it command if you want. Absolutely. But and I and I think that in in coaching, not not as a default, but as a t as a time and a place. Um, uh, and now I, in the context is I work with uh, under 15s boys, uh, grassroots um, in Liverpool, and we have. Well, actually, now we've almost got Utopia, so we've got like a half a pitch, um, but we've got about nine. We've got 19 players, and um, and I've just tried experimenting it and, and, and going back to just be just. You know, using instruction and see Absolutely. what happens, and actually, some of the boys, some of the boys, feed quite well off it. And um, because going back to my bad cop point, and we have to take a bit of responsibility for this because we we have gone, you know, educating coaches across the country. Challenges are a good way to go, and I agree they are uh, as a as a starting point, perhaps as a an initial hook to uh, to get the players engaged in the focus or activity that we're looking at I think they're great where I think that we've perhaps fallen down is and I've, I've heard this phrase so many times let me give you a little challenge okay and then and then I've seen and I've done it myself and, and uh, I've seen coaches go around and they'll go around to every single player and it'll be it's either um, off the cuff <laughs> says yeah. us delivering yeah. this off the cuff yeah. but it's either off the cuff uh, or it it is worded in a way that really doesn't align with the principles of the game. Yeah. So um, and it, and actually, you can see some some players getting quite confused, yeah. um, frustrated, Absolutely. or and, and uh, but actually a lot of the time it is just uh, okay. I shake my yeah. head. What have I got to do to get back playing in this game again? Yeah. And um, by the time the coach has gone around and, and issued twenty challenges, absolutely, the the session's gone. Whereas the the coach might have been better spent, right? Um, okay, try not to get split, for example. Try not to let them play between you. Yeah, as a challenge. Uh, right. Let me step back and watch and watch and watch and watch and let me see if I can help those players. Yeah. Rather than feeling the need to like throw a bucket of challenges over everybody and worry about catering for all because I'm not, I'm not sure if that's possible no no and I've always fought against that idea that command style coaching um, is a no-no you know sometimes people don't know what they don't know and sometimes just by saying I want you to do you need to do this 
I want you to do that is effective as a coaching tool and we shouldn't think that all of a sudden by just saying challenging or questioning or whatever is the new way of doing it there's not a right or wrong way mm. as far as I'm concerned there's just a way but this isn't new is it oh you know, absolutely it, not it, it's but I just think that people in the <clears throat> past have got carried away with these new uh, when they've been brought in that um, in my experience when I've been in coaching in the past people have come on courses and seen coaches deliver in a certain way thinking and understanding that that's how you have to coach mm. at that level and they've seen coaches disseminate technical detail um, in a command style because that's probably one of the more efficient and effective ways of eliciting the technical detail that you needed to know. But education has evolved um, with better understanding of what people learn and how people learn, and so have evolved the different methods that have been used. But that's not to say that the old start or old methods were wrong in that sense. Like you say, whatever context it is, there is a pot, uh, a reason sometimes just to say, right, stop, stand still, or I want you to do this. Mm. You should do that. Um, and as I say, whatever way we coach on the courses, we talk about the five, but anyone in education will come back and say, there's probably another 50 or 60 ways that you can coach. Yeah. And on our courses, we probably promote five for the simplicity mm. of getting your messages across. Yeah. And, and you just said something that um, hit home with me there because I'm, I'm thinking about the squad of players that I work with. So of, of the 19, some of whom, uh, you know, they're 15 now and I've been working with them since they were nine. Um, there is a spectrum of personalities within that squad one in particular, obviously won't name, but who, uh, for him, a a individual challenge based around technical tactical elements isn't necessarily the most effective way of working with him. He he responds well to. A so quick my question to you would be: When did you find that out? Uh, throughout the years, but more so since he has come through adolescence and okay. the adolescent growth spurt and his uh, psychosocial the, the knock on of his, to his psychosocial corners from his uh, physical growth spurt um, so his it, huge growth spurt yeah. more so than any player I've ever coached uh, essentially playing in a new body, lost all ability of which there was a lot yeah. a very unorthodox uh, player um, ability overnight almost at, at 13 and has taken two years to grow back to, to get back to yeah. it but the knock-on effect has been a real um, crisis of confidence to the extent of, of every Saturday the team is picked around he is the first person I speak to to say where, where do you feel comfortable playing today yeah believe it or not sometimes it's centre half sometimes it's centre midfield sometimes it's centre forward and then we build the rest of the team around him because I know that he, he is a ticking an emotional time bomb okay. ready to go yeah but with him he, he he doesn't particularly respond well to challenge or question yeah he likes direct feedback short and sharp and praise yeah as you can well imagine yeah. now I've got there's players on the other end of the spectrum spectrum here you could say are real uh, really inquisitive thinkers not that he isn't who really thrive off it and they're almost come on give me some give me yeah. some more yeah yeah. So yeah. I, I think before before you start, or when as a, maybe as a process of planning, just thinking about or mapping out um, the players that we've got in our care, and just making mental notes, if nothing else, of who responded well to what tonight, who yeah. perhaps didn't. All right. What what maybe of the reasons behind that? Was it me? Was it the day that they've had at school or whatever? But but just start that thinking process rather than just assuming that everyone is going to yeah. respond the same way to the to the same dose and i think that's what we've been poor in the past i certainly um have to hold my hands up and um look at the way that i reflected when i um was working at norwich 
I had a sh um, files upon files of sessions that I'd done um, and then afterwards a quick reflection how did the session go what was the weather like and all sort how did I never really took time to look at a how did I perform um, and most importantly how did the players respond to the way mm. that I was performing but do you not think that that was part of the time because you know that was a while ago mm, <laughs> and, and we were only talking today I, I, I had hundreds of, of session plans on an app yeah uh, and the app froze in an update a couple of years ago and I lost them all yeah now ten years ago that, that, that would have been the end of my world but yeah. to be honest when it happened it was actually quite liberating yeah because I, I was almost like a weight off my shoulders but at that time you probably had to record the session because there was nowhere else that they no. would be stored there was no YouTube Absolutely. there was no internet whereas no. I think this is where the coaches nowadays who are coming through have got a real good advantage because there is every session that's ever been delivered Absolutely. you know known to my, you know known to the human race out there yeah so we don't need to worry so much about that maybe we can focus more of our efforts or our thoughts on like you say us our interactions um, and 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 how are they but understanding when you look at something that is on the internet is understanding that the coach that's put it on there has delivered it for his players yeah good point you know very good point and whilst it might look a good session <coughs> on paper or on the internet you know it might not work as well with the players that you have so give me a time for you when it hasn't worked um, I worked in fact one of the very first sessions that I delivered as a coach educator um, I came and I was given an under nine um, squad to work with grassroots uh, grassroots yeah which was a big stretch for me at the, that particular time um, and so I didn't have the um, advantage of knowing what players um, responded well to certain things um, and it was an absolute car crash of a session <laughs> I had players running all over the place trying to get the ball I had my area marked it was all done I thought you know professionally laid out and thought yeah here we go and then as soon as the players came on the pitch everything fell apart um, now obviously I didn't have a scenario where I was working with a team at the time um, and what what was the challenge that you gave them that ended up with well, the car crash it wasn't it wasn't at that particular time when I started to understand about the process of using challenges. Yeah. It was, I was still in the mindset of I'm going to work to command guided discovery. So I was still stopping up the practice and trying to highlight one person. And at the same time, had another 15 or 16 players all talking and running about doing different things mm. so their my understanding of their what their needs were weren't met and so this like i said it was one of the very first sessions that i delivered uh, as part of the cpd events that we deliver yeah. as um, coach educators well and I, it was i remember um i remember having an interview for a, a coaching role uh, it was a number of years ago now in Manchester in um, I think it might have been around Salford uh, and I got given a, a primary school class to, t to teach for a lesson yeah. and there was uh, me on one half of the pitch and uh, a coach who I'm still I still know to this day called Claire on the other half of the pitch and uh, I brought the kids in and I, I set them off with a, um, a group challenge and if ever there was a lesson to get to know your players before you get into the technical detail this was it because I didn't know that out of 30 kids, only 15 of them spoke English. <laughs> and so I, I, I excitedly said, off you go. And uh, half of them ran onto the other half of the pitch and started yeah. picking up all Claire's cones, yeah. which I thought was quite humorous because she was getting interviewed at the same time. Yeah. Um, but coming back to, to the challenges, you, you spoke there about um, highlighting in individuals. So 
I can think of uh, one player in particular that I've worked with who, um, when he came to us, uh, the um, he was very comfortable kicking the ball out of play when it comes to him. So almost like a human trampoline. Ball comes to me. He's probably been praised and rewarded for um, getting the ball out of play. Yeah. yeah. Uh, tended to play in a in a fullback area. Or enjoyed playing in a fullback area. And that's that's not the way that I want the boys to play and it's not the way that as a team they 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 want to play either so one of the things that we've said to him or the, and this was a couple of seasons ago now but it was um, a quiet one-to-one off the pitch uh, not an in, instigated with a conversation around you know um, how what do you think you know how does that help or hinder us when when you do that? You know what might be better, and actually gaining his trust that um, if he takes a touch and loses it, I'm all right with that, and so are the rest of the team. And you're you're not. I, I promise you that if you do get any flack from any of your teammates, I'll be on to them because that's not the way that we do things around here. We've all signed up that we trust each other on the ball. Mm. So here's here's um, here's what I'm challenging you to do. Yeah. Okay. When the ball comes to you, try to take more than one touch. That was a, an initial start. Now there'll be people going, but what if one touch is on? And I get that, which is why I didn't say you must yeah. take more than one touch. Yeah. Okay. When a ball comes to you, try to take more than one touch. Okay. And if you can, try and keep it for us. Yeah. And that that was it. It was as simple as that. It was as I would hope as clear as that. And my role then over the four coming weeks in training but more importantly in in games was either overtly public praise see how he responds to it at times quite well at times not so well yeah teenage boys yeah uh you know might differ in how they respond to praise um or it might just be that i've seen it i know what you've done thumbs up good lad that's what we're after and and Importantly, I found it from experience, even when it goes wrong. Yeah. So when he's tried to take the touch, and he's maybe lost it on the second, because his first touch hasn't been good enough, I I I sense that as the moments where I would earn my spurs as a coach, because if I don't reinforce the decision, I potentially we've lost him, yeah. and we go back to trampoline football yeah. and kicking it out yeah. of play. Yeah. And we've talked a lot really about. Um, use and challenges and that with young players mm. but I've had a lot of success of using that with adults and I can um, relate that to when I was um, given the role of head coach to the uh, Great Britain Paralympic squad seven aside uh, in 2016 and people say well you cut adults won't buy into it but it was one of the most refreshing um, periods of my life as a coach, mm. dealing with um, adult footballers who'd been professionals, who'd suffered um, in some way to um, al- allow them not to continue in the professional game. And my um, philosophy was empowering them players. So it was never a, t- uh, never a way of saying, right, I want you to do this and I want you to do that. It was right. We have to play Russia, Ukraine, who are wor- world-leading exponents of um, seven-a-side football. And it was, right, now, how are we going to um, play against a team that does this, this and this? Right, here's my challenges as a back. Here's my challenges as a midfield unit. Here are my challenges as a striker. Have you got any examples that you can remember? Um, we were playing... Um, we played uh, the Ukraine uh, in the World Cup. Um, and if I take the story back to um, the 2012 London Olympics, they lost to the Ukraine 8-0 and that they were lucky to get nil, Great Britain. They were that far away. So the improvement on working with players and empowering them and challenging them was right. Come up with a strategy now that stops 
the Russian players um, finding gaps between our defence and our midfield because what they did do they in Russia they played professional futsal in a league mm. playing against able-bodied players their skills on the ball were phenomenal for um, would have been phenomenal for outfield players in my opinion but for a um, disability side it was like Barcelona playing the dog and duck on a Sunday morning they were that far ahead so the boys the players came up with a strategy of playing somebody in the pocket which I'd never even thought about doing before um, and so I said okay well if this happens what are you going to do so we put on I put on the session which enabled certain things to happen which challenged them in a way that they had been challenged before so we played them in the world championships as England and we lost 1-0 playing the old style we played them within uh, eight months we played them in the Paralympics as Great Britain and we narrowly lost 2-1 to them but in terms and that was when the um, Ukrainian coach came over to me and said that's the best I've ever seen and I said I never came up with it it was the players he said you are doing something well with the players then. Mm. and but that didn't happen overnight no no it no. took about um, five or six training camps to implement that and for them because all of a sudden here I was coming in and asking them to come up with the strategy mm. and I and there was a couple of players one had played for England under 17s who had to retire from the game came up to me and said uh, that's the first time anyone's done that to me as a coach in giving me the responsibility or us the responsibility to know how we're going to play yeah I never had a problem with motivation in training or and I, you know working as Great Britain you shouldn't have but there was never an issue of why are we doing this and why are we doing that they were the ones that came up with the um, the strategy I challenged them on the strategy by putting different perform different ways that we could challenge it mm. so if this happened what are you going to do yeah and we would put that on as a session or we'd make the opposite our team play against it how are you going to break that down yeah we did it even in a way where we took a player off in case we had a player sent off and they knew what to do if that happened and that happened in the Paralympics yeah that we had a player sent off and all of a sudden they just reverted to plan B and they knew it because it's what they came up with yeah and so for me just to say that it reflects around the, the youngsters and the adolescents I think is baloney yeah. because I think if you're strong enough in what your beliefs are as a coach and what you understand and what you, your philosophy is it can have as big an impact if not a bigger impact with adults within the game yeah I think you're tapping into human motivation here aren't Absolutely. You? and I noticed that you know when we scanned through the questions there was a few questions around um how you know how do you use challenges to motivate so you're you're talking about and you're, you're right if if any of your players are struggling for motivation when they're playing in the Paralympic Games you've got a problem 100% I, I would say that over the last three years that the, the boys I'm lucky enough to coach due to circumstances outside of their control we probably have one of the lowest win percentages yeah in the whole of England absolutely over the last three since we went to 11 aside football yeah um and so we've had to be quite careful and considerate to design challenges that are achievable, yeah. that are um, within reach, but we'll, we'll stretch for. Not necessarily all technical tactical. Yeah. So with, there'll be some days where we go to a game, and I'm sure there'll be people who are tuning in who are in the same boat here. You know that you're going to get beat. Yeah. It's inevitable because you're you're playing teams that are so far out of your depth due to leagues or divisions or whatever issues. So it's like, all right, 
how can we how can we come out or try to come out as winners in this game and, and an example I'll give is um, a few seasons ago we were playing a team uh, who were it, again it was one of those games we knew that we were going to get beat it was just a question of, of how many so the, the challenge was okay do we do we like to keep possession of the ball do we like to have the ball or would we rather not have it we like to keep the ball right um, let's see how many three pass moves that we can put together as a team okay and so at half time the players come in so try to put as many three pass moves together as we can and if we get any sort of outcome at the end brilliant um, we come in at half time how many do you think we've done so the, the, the boys at this age I think we're about um, 10 or 11 I don't know how many well it might have been three Okay, half time. Let's see if we can beat it. What do we get? What do we need to do as a team? What can you do individually to help us beat that? So we get a little bit of dialogue, and this is where I think sometimes uh, we, we talk from a position of utopia with this badge on on mm. our courses. Yeah. But the yeah. reality is, at half time in a grassroots football game, you've got about two minutes, yeah. probably a minute of, of quality. So you've got to be really. Um, cute with your time yeah. so how are we going to beat it what do you need to do to help us beat that th those three um, three pass moves okay let's go it finished 8-0 inevitably to the other team but who came off the happier team your team they were buzzing yeah because the second half performance wise they knew that they they played as a team so much better than they had in the first half yeah um, it was 4-0 half time 4-0 full time yeah um, and, I, and I learned something a lot that day. If you trust me now, would I do the same thing? Knowing what um, Pete Sturgis has put out around the England DNA, I would probably look to frame it something different that would align with staying on the ball and mastering the ball. But I learned a lot that day around motivation. And if we use the scoreline as the single measure of success, then... It, you know, it's a zero-sum game. A lot of the time, we're going to be very disappointed, Absolutely. and so are the players. Yeah, so, can we start to think about how do we cr creatively design this stuff so that it, it, it is possibly just out of grasp, or it it does challenge? Yeah. <laughs> Obviously, it, it you know it, it it taps into something more than just the outcome. One hundred percent. And I th I've always been a believer throughout my coaching career that if the performance was what mattered. And if I could get my players to perform uh, and improve, and I know sometimes that's not always it, but if they always strived to be better in the performance, um, in their performance, then results would come. Hmm. Uh, and I've always believed that as a coach, that if you go on performance, you'll always end up being a winner. If you go on results, you'll always end up at some point feeling down yeah. and disappointed. Well, it's a fragile form of motivation, isn't it? Because it's not, it's not in your control. No. Is it? You no. Know, there's another team that are trying to stop you from doing that. Absolutely. And as a coach, I wanted to control the controllables. And I could do that by um, looking at performance before results. Hmm. I've just thought about how I might word that now if I was back working with... 10, 11 year olds I think I would probably say something around try to stay on the ball for as long as you possibly can yeah. without giving it away without giving it back to the opposition that, that's just riffing yeah. as, a, as a start point if I was thinking about working with young players of that age um, that's how I might start to phrase it um, yeah um, I'm just looking at the time and I guess it, it would probably be a good point to start to get into some more detail from of some of the questions. Jake, you've been scribbling some stuff down there. Is that of relevance? Um, yeah, to be fair, the audience have been spot on tonight. They're sort of all, um, answering each other's questions as they're going Great. along in the, in the text box. Yeah, I mean, anyone that comes to tune in to Keith and I on a Monday night they're going to be spot on I would have thought so um, is, there, is there any questions that have come in from your end that, that we perhaps haven't haven't covered yet um, there was one around um, so coaches are setting challenges for players um, but then parents dictating um, sort of over the coach which undermines the coach that's a great point how would you go about yeah that's a great point actually and uh, 
that what, that brings me, me on to you, well, let on. me ask you a question first every year do you have a turnover of players yeah one or two yeah okay so as a coach now I'm asking you not as a coach educator how do you get over your philosophy about what you stand for as a coach I think um, what that, that some players don't want to buy in well I'm not necessarily looking at players but do parents know what you stand for um, do they understand what it is you're trying to develop do they understand the ways that you're going to try and develop that yeah well funnily enough we've had a number of in, over the summer I learned a really really powerful lesson okay I, and, I, and I've known all along that the kids don't it's an old cliche it's not really well it's a cliche because it's true that the kids don't care how much you know unless yeah. they know how much you care and uh, we lost like they've gone to be found but we, we had three, uh, a few players that went to another team in our division and um, I won't say anything about the coaching environment because I'm not sure what it is what it's like I've seen things uh but I, I would be comfortable in saying that we've got a fairly, what we would call an autonomy supportive environment that we try to do um, or, or to manage things in a way that the boys want things to be managed. And what I learned this summer was it doesn't matter uh, how good of an, or how powerful an environment that you create, uh, at 14, 15, the, the bond of friendship is much much stronger. Right. So our, our team are uh, not typical because we we probably have about six or seven different schools represented. Okay. They're not all coming from the same school, and so uh, these two players left, went to another team to be with their mates. Right. And I, I had to really get over my own ego to understand that. But I've okay. learned that now, and I'm comfortable with it. The, the the second point would be on on the parents. I'm quite lucky because we we brought a few players in over the summer we just put things out to the advert and just said look there's an opportunity to play if you want to come down um, crack on now the ones who've joined I haven't told the parents what I do right and uh, because I don't want to use that as a um, as a stick to beat them with to I, beat I, the parents yeah I want to I, if I'm doing this grassroots thing I want to do it properly as right. a grassroots coach okay so um, but I think that it, it, it's not it, it's not easy what I think it is it's it's continual reinforcement so I had to have a word with one parent on Saturday morning who um, his boy has, has joined us this season yeah. and uh, he's only been to a couple of games um, and he was very very vocal and very aggressive and it was you know, I need do me a favour I need you to turn that down because that's not helping and it wasn't Yeah. and in fairness yeah. you know, straight away but I, you know I'm I, he's that's still uncomfortable for me to do that. Absolutely. You know, my question to you is: Is there a way that you could have um, had the conversation earlier with the group to let them know? Look, this is what we expect. This is what I'm about. With this the is, parents. Yeah. Oh yeah. 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 And and I and I'm all for those uh, start preseason. You know, get the parents in and, and look. This is this is what we're about. This is the way that we want to play, and this is how we're going to work with the players. And our default will be, or may well be, that we're going to we, we're going to perhaps start from a position of challenge. Yeah. Okay. And what that will mean is that the, the we, you need a, a ton of patience to go with that because yeah. it's you know it's coming from an, an opposite end of the the spectrum to instruction. You know, instruction is I tell and I expect you to do it next yeah. time. Yeah. You know, if I'm coming from a challenge perspective, I'm I'm almost I'm tempting you into it, but you've got to figure out how to how to get over the yeah. challenge. Yeah. That's probably going to mean a lot of mistakes because the game's so random and fluid. Yeah. What that needs from from the adults and the other teammates is patience and support, support. encouragement and time and guidance and all those yeah. other things. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of um, going off task a little bit, but I think was that was that the initial question, Jake? Yeah. Yeah. Um, there was there was another one here about. Uh, oh yeah, that was what I wanted to get into. So the actual process, or some of the process, or some of the stuff that I've seen out in the field, is, that I think might be of value to coaches, is just how you do this. So I think some some of the coaches wrote about the. Um, 
the timing do okay. you stop and just shine the spotlight on one player and no it, it, again I think for many things uh, if there's one phrase that I would encourage coaches to preface is that a word do- yeah, if there's one phrase I would encourage coaches to use more um, is, is the, it depends so rather than being kind of dogmatic yeah. or you know absolute on either side um, but as a, as a rule I would say I, would I agree. very rarely shine the light no, on I, I agree so in my um, the way that I would go about delivering challenges first of all I'd want to know what do the players know about what it is we're going to work on yep and if they've got an idea about what they've got to work on, I can then base my challenges on the returns I mm. get. So invariably, I'll sp- I use a lot of games. And I use games in a way that um, offer constraints in the sense that I'll manipulate the size of the pitch, manipulate channels and things like that to what I think is good effect. Mm-hmm. Once I find out what they understand, then I'll look at the... I'll already have the challenges for the group, the unit and the individual already there. And those challenges will be based around the principles of play, whether I'm working in possession or out of possession. And then it will be, right, this is what we're going to work on. You've told me this. All right. Now, if it meets what I think is going to b- help the outcome, then I'll, s- I'll look at that and I'll highlight that to the players. I won't dismiss it, but I'll highlight it. And then it will be a case of, right, there are your challenges, and I'll have them written down. It won't necessarily be a case of me talking, because I think sometimes people will forget what I say. Mm. I've always been under the thing that the last thing you tell a player is the first thing he'll forget. <laughs> so I'll always have it written down. What's your challenge? Oh, I forgot. Okay, well, go and have a Good point. Look. Good point. And especially in a hectic, chaotic Absolutely. environment, you know, 180 BPM, noisy, Absolutely. competitive, you know, you've got two teams going against each yeah. other. And one thing that I've, I've seen, uh, and I've, I've fallen foul of this, Game's going on. Coach stops the player in while the game's going on. No problem with that. Uh, in the middle of the pitch, and to try and deliver a challenge to the player. What's the player doing? Yeah. Itching. Yeah. What, like what? What's the yeah. teammates doing? Uh, and and there's every merit in playing a player down. Yeah. Get that. So I, I what I've found from experience helps is on the sideline. Come here a sec. Yeah, or take them over to the sideline. I face the pitch because if I, if I'm facing the pitch, what the player isn't, and 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 that way he or she's not looking over my shoulder yeah. to to get back into the action, yeah. and then I can have that. That gives me a platform to have a uh, a more meaningful connection in that moment where I can support, challenge, guide. I can have that interaction with the player. Um, n- 30 seconds yeah if you can one of the things that I've found quite successful is getting the one of the players instead of me going over to coach is to go and tell the player in his team fair point a point about it so now I'm trying to encourage that interaction between them Mm. so I'm ticking the social corner and that engagement between the two players I think can be more profound than me going in and highlighting it and then are you also so if I'm the player that you've you've tasked with giving Jake a challenge on the pitch so let, let's say for argument's sake we're, we're, we're centre half partners yeah is my role done at just giving that information to Jake or what uh, well what next we talk me? about players being able to communicate all I hear on sometimes around the pitches in Norfolk on a Sunday morning you're not communicating mm. if we talk to him talk to it mm. if we don't encourage that in training when are we going to encourage it so I tend as part you pick up as a centre half I happen to think that a centre half is in the focal point of seeing everything mm. and part of that 
of being a centre half is to be able to communicate. Now you haven't got to be shouting all the time, but being other people's eyes and ears in the position that you're at yeah. is an asset to be a good centre half. Mm. And so we're trying to give him that as part of that ongoing conversation we have. I want you to develop this. Yeah. And I think ongoing is the word Absolutely. that I would pick up on there that if you can involve the player in this decision so don't just see it as a bucket that you're going to throw over them 100% a actually have some dialogue okay what is it we're, we're trying to improve in you yeah right let's work back from there here's, here's something that you can have a go at and we're going to support you with it yeah. and the example I'll give is one player that I'm still working with now when he was under the T 12 under 12 the, the first time I had this conversation with him he was um, good not a bad technical player he his default was to receive the ball with his back to goal uh, and, and in the midfield area so the ball would come in perhaps diagonally from a, um, a centre-half or a full-back and he would receive facing his own goal so it was okay try to let the ball run across your body Every time the ball comes to you, wherever possible, try to let it run across your body. Now that means that might mean that it comes from uh, the right back area, and he it receives the ball with the inside of his left foot. Okay. Only last Wednesday night. So what are we now? Monday. Only last Wednesday night, we were at, the boys were playing in a match in training, and I I got he did it three times. Yeah. And it was the first time, and not just three times where he's he's actually let it run across his body. And, and let the ball run and, yeah. and dummied a player and beaten them and, and ran off with it. Yeah. And it was a really nice moment actually because I was able to grab him, not literally, but no. as a, you know, and say, we've been talking about this for years and you've just made those last three look effortless. Mm. You know, that, that's, that's brilliant. Yeah. Uh, the other bit I want to pick up on is you said, um, not just verbal, but, but written. One of the things, some of the stuff that I've seen, the content out there that is on the boot room and on Hive, um, you know, I feel like a dinosaur because it's, it's so creative. Yeah, and I was only looking at it, um, what's today, Monday? I only looked at it f uh, Friday evening, and you're right, there's some stuff on there that I'm thinking to myself, wow. Yeah. I've not even, that's not even come in my radar at all. Yeah. So there's some really good stuff that is going on out there. Yeah. And the, the great way is that now we're sharing that sort of information. And I would just urge people to go and try and challenge ourselves to do it. Yeah. We keep asking players and challenge players to be creative. Um, and I think as coaches, we've got to look at ourselves much more deeply and say, what other ways are there? of um, developing our communication skills mm. good point and uh, speaking of which we've typically run okay. over time but uh, Jake before we sign off is there is there anything else that has come in that is uh, hot, hot off the press that we could um, do with answering I suppose one that came in that we discussed um, a little bit earlier was that people are setting team unit individual challenges for their players Good. Um, and understanding that the players might make mistakes and they're about player development rather than winning at all costs but it's how do you then manage them mistakes mm. if you're setting challenges and, and players are making mistakes yeah I guess it depends on the <laughs> mistakes on a, on are a part of football yeah. you know you're not ever ever going to have a situation where your players are not going to make mistakes you look at the premiership and you look at the game yesterday, Tottenham against Manchester United, and you look at Trippier, one of the most lauded right-backs in the country. Okay, He's there on the halfway line, he's played a ball inside to a player that he's thought he's seen. All of a sudden, the ball's gone inside. Um, Pogba's got onto it. Pogba's got onto Rashford's it, ball gone, over yeah. the top to Rashford. Mistakes are part and parcel of yeah. the game. But that, I think, they're the moments where... You have to hold your nerve. Absolutely. And, and do you know what? I'm not, it's not easy. Absolutely. It's not easy at all. I don't care if you're coaching an under sevens grassroots team. There's no points, no league tables. It's it is still difficult to hold your nerve when when the kids inevitably make some you know comical errors. 
But well, that was a comical error yesterday. Yeah. Well, you wouldn't expect an England international to make that sort of pass in that situation. So if they are going to do it, as eggs, as night follows day, play, our players are going to do that. That's a good point. That's a good point. Um, I think that is a nice way to wrap up the evening, Keith. I think it's been a good, good hour or so. That's yeah, gone really quick. I've, as it always does with you, um, I've thoroughly enjoyed your company it's nice to get back into the webinar hot seat uh i noticed that adrian stally was on there and i i owe you a game of golf adrian so uh, give me a shout and we'll try and fix something up um but no to all the people that have tuned in look thank you so much for giving up your monday night we're all you know we know that you're all volunteers and, and do this for free and if you didn't do it we would be out of a job absolutely um so thank you for for everything that you do you've probably learned so much more from each other in the chat box than you have from us um but i hope you've uh, you've enjoyed or taken something i hope we've inspired empowered and or supported you some way in your journey tonight um i think we're gonna try not to drink any red wine over you tea will. i will you will okay um Webby at Webby Offside is it at Webby Offside yeah, yeah. and at Jack Walton one uh, if you want to give us any feedback let us know how it went tonight was a challenge for us we tried not to use any content or any PowerPoint um, let us know how you found it and please engage with all that content uh, in the boot room and hive learning the last thing I'll mention is the date today is the 14th of January um, you may or may not have seen uh, we are launching a, a campaign across grassroots football um, which Gareth Southgate has backed starts on the 21st of January uh, it's called 21 Days of Positive um, we only do positive we only do positive uh, if you google that again you're smart enough you guys to, to find that um, there is some challenges on there I think isn't there yes there yeah, is yeah I've been I've seen the, the spreadsheet that's coming out they look quite good actually yeah um, so I'm, I'm having a go I've signed up for that uh, so we'll see how that goes so let us know how you thought tonight went guys and um, enjoy the rest of your evening thanks again for coming and one final question for Webby because I think the um, internet cut out and we missed it can you confirm the name of the, the book that you brought with you today research methods in sport <laughs> research methods in sport <laughs> available in all good bookstores absolutely <laughs> or not good bookstores uh, open at your peril Okay, guys, thanks again, and uh, hopefully see you again on another webinar soon. Cheers. Bye. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed the show, please help spread the word or leave us a review on iTunes. I'd love to hear your thoughts on this episode. You can reach me on Twitter at JackWalton1. And don't forget to follow Liverpool FA at Liverpool underscore CFA. See you next time.